Gracious Father, we thank you for the privilege we have of having your word in our possession. Thank you, Father God, that you revealed yourself to us through this precious book. And we thank you, Father, that we can take this book, we can read it, we can study it, we can see in it the precious truths that you have for us. And Lord, we know that your word uh, has an impact upon us every time we read it, when we study it, every time it's preached, Father God. We pray today as we look into your word that uh, your word would have an impact upon us, that, Lord, it would challenge us. And as we leave this place this day, we would have known that we've been in your presence. We would have known that, Father God, that you've spoken to us through your word. Use me now, Father, I pray, to be a blessing. And may we indeed receive a blessing from you. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we think of David... And that's who we're going to look at today. When we think of David, we acknowledge that David was indeed a great king. In fact, he was the greatest king of all Israel. And the question that comes to mind then is, what made David who he was? What drove David to the heights of greatness despite his sin? What made David the king that he was? Now, many great things could be said of David. But one supreme characteristic that drove him is that he had a heart for God. When God rejected Sam, uh, Saul from being king, he sent Samuel to Saul to tell him in 1 Samuel 13 and verse 13 and 14. It says, And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Samuel tells Saul that the Lord sought a man after his own heart, and that man was David. Look in Acts 13, and that's where we're going to stay today, in Acts 13 and verse 22. Acts 13, 22. We read here, and when he, says, and when he had removed him, that's Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom he also gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. David is uniquely honored by God, not because of who he is, not because of his great achievements, not because of his greatness, but because of the kind of heart that he had. So the question that came to my mind then is, what does it mean to have a heart for God? If that's what God's looking for, if that's what God honors in David, what does it mean to have a heart for God? What will make us a man or a woman after God's own heart? Well, I think the answer may be at least in part found here in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. And so I want you to note with me, first of all, this morning, that someone who is after God's heart does all God asks. Look at the end of this verse. It says in verse 22, And when he removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. 
Acts 13.22 indicates that a man after God's own heart is somebody who does all that God asks of them. Now, as we have seen, the expression, a man after God's own heart, comes from 1 Samuel 13.14, where it says that the Lord sought him a man after his own heart. But it's important to realize that a thousand years after David, it was God himself who identifies David as a man from his own heart here in Acts 13, 22. And it seems to me that there is a connection between 1 Samuel 13 and Acts 13. Connection between 1 Samuel 13, 14 and Acts 13, 22 because here we have revealed to us or shown to us that to have a heart for God means not a rebellious or a disobedient heart like that of Saul. There's a contrast here between the characteristic of the man Saul and the characteristic of the man David. Saul was a disobedient man. David was an obedient servant of the Lord. It means that a man after God's own heart is one who would do the will of God, one who would keep his commandments. And Acts 13.22 defines a man after God's own heart as one who will fulfill all my will. Simply put, a man after God's own heart does all that God asks of him. Now, in the case of David, what that meant was that David desired in his heart that he would make God the center of his rule, that God would be the focal point of his kingship, that he would make the will of God the great rule of his life, that the law of God would be the center of his reign in contrast to King Saul, who was a king who had disobeyed God. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 15, please. 1 Samuel 15. You know, Saul was not a man after God's own heart, and 1 Samuel 15 reveals this to us. God told Saul... When he was fighting against the Amalekites, that he was to destroy all the Amalekites. 1 Samuel 15, verse 3. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. God tells him to go when he goes and defeats the Amalekites to kill everything. But what does Saul do? Saul doesn't obey the Lord. In fact, what Saul does, he destroys everything except the king and the best of the sheep. Look in verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag, he's the king, and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. He didn't do as he was told. God said, go in and destroy them all. And he saved the king alive and all the best of the sheep and the oxen. He didn't destroy that. He didn't do what God commanded of him. And because of his incomplete obedience, God rejected Saul. Look in verse 28 of 1 Samuel 17, uh, 15, sorry, 1 Samuel 15, 28. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hast given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. The neighbor that is better than now is David. So another question came to my mind was this. What, in what way was David better than Saul? 
I mean, Saul was this king who was head and shoulders above the rest of them. He was handsome. He, was, he, was, uh, he looked kingly. That's why the people chose him. That's why uh, they asked God to make Saul king. And they, uh, they saw him as being this great man. David, on the other hand, was not particularly anything special, as we're going to see when he, he's chosen to be king. And, uh, you know, there's nothing particularly about David that stands out as a quality of a king. So what makes him better than Saul? Well, the answer simply is that he had a heart for God. He was better than Saul in the heart. David made mistakes. David sinned. David disobeyed God. But the difference is that he recognized his sin. He recognized his disobedience. And when he was confronted with it, he owned up to it and he confessed it. Saul never did that. David had his faults. I mean, nobody is saying that David was a faultless king. Bathsheba is a classic uh, example of that, isn't it? Not a, not a classic a, a murder of a husband, Uriah. I mean, he did things wrong. He committed sin. But the difference was that David repented of his sin. He acknowledged it, confessed it before God. Look in Psalm 51, please. Psalm 51. And commencing in verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to the loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. It was David, after he'd sinned with Bathsheba, he acknowledged his sin. He acknowledged that he'd sinned against God and he disobeyed the Lord and he wanted the Lord to forgive him, to cleanse him. You know, David's heart was honored by God, not because it never got sullied with sin, but because any time he disobeyed the Lord, any time he sinned against God, he was quick to deal with it. He wanted to thoroughly scrub from his heart. He wanted to keep his heart pure before the Lord. One commentator said this, no matter how dirty it got, or often the mud of sin splashed upon it, he never stopped keeping it clean, never got used to the dirt, never overlooked it and decided, why bother cleaning it? It's just going to get dirty again. See, the difference between David and Saul was that David sought to keep his heart after God. And therefore, you find in the heart of David is the desire to do all that God wanted him to do. Verse 22 of Acts 13, which shall fulfill all my will. It's the heart of David that makes him want to fulfill the will of God in everything. Whether that be in confession of sin, whether that be in obedience to God's commandments, whether that be in allowing the law of God to be the rule of his kingdom, the center of his kingdom, kingly rule, it didn't matter with David, his heart was focused on the Lord. He wanted to do all that God wanted him to do. David still understood that at times, in all circumstances, it was God's glory that was important. 
It was God's glory that was to be the focus of his life. It was to be God's glory that was to be the focus of his kingdom. It was God's glory that was to be at the center of his time and his attention, his life. He wanted simply to bring glory to God. His heart was after God. He exemplified what Jesus later proclaimed in Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That was David. He wanted God's righteousness. He wanted God's reign. He wanted God to be at the center of all that he did. David was a man after God's own heart. And because of that, he desired to do all God's will. He desired right. And when he failed, he sought the Lord and asked for forgiveness. You know, if we're to be men and women after God's own hearts, then you and I need to have a similar heart's desire as David. We need to have a desire to do all that God asks of us. We will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That will mean that you and I will want what God wants. You and I will reject what God rejects. You and I will keep short accounts with God because we will want to come before the Lord and scrub our hearts clean of all iniquity that we might indeed have a heart for God. A man after God's own heart is someone who's not half-hearted. There's someone who will fulfill all of God's will because that is the passion of their heart. If you and I are to be men and women after God's own heart, then you and I need to have a passionate desire to fill all the will of God in our lives. It must be central to us. The central focus of all of us ought to be God's glory. God first in all that I do whether that be in the home, whether that be in the workplace, whether that be out with uh, friends, whatever it might be, that the central focus of all that I want to do is to bring glory to God. When I'm actually serving the Lord, I want to bring glory to God. And when I'm going about my daily uh, chores and business, I want to bring glory to God. When I go to school, I want to bring glory to God. That's the center of my focus. I just simply want to do all the will of God in my life daily. Above all else, I want him to get the glory. Above all else, I want to do his will. Above all else, I simply want to be somebody that will fulfill all God's will. Secondly, a man after God's own heart, not only does all God asks, but he does all God asks with all of his heart. It says there that David, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which fulfilled all my will. He'll do God's will with all of his heart. Outward obedience by itself does not produce a man or a woman after God's own heart. By simply complying to a set of rules and regulations does not make me and you people after God's own heart. You know, a man or a woman under law might obey for fear of consequences. Some people don't break the law simply because they don't want to pay the price of breaching the law. If there was no consequence, they would happily break that law. 
So somebody on the law may simply obey for fear of the consequences. But something more is needed if you and I are to please God. And here in Acts 13, 22, it says the phrase own heart, a man after mine own heart, means with the same affection or same desire. So this is not just having a desire to bring glory to God, but it's a desire to do it with the same desire as God has. A heart after God has a wholehearted desire to fulfill, that's to perform all, that's the whole, every part of the divine pleasure, his divine will. That our hearts want exactly what God wants. It's not just a matter of having a head knowledge and therefore complying to a set of rules and regulations saying, well, I'm going to by my own strength do God's will. It's letting God work in our hearts, the place whereby our hearts are so in tune with the Lord that from our hearts we want to do all the will of God. From our hearts we want to obey Him. From our hearts we want to think like Him. We want to walk like Him would have us walk. We want to be like him. Now a clue as to how this can be achieved is provided for us in Psalm 89, please. Psalm 89. And verse 20. Psalm 89, verse 20. We read, I have found David my servant. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. He calls David his servant. The word servant here is an interesting word. It's significant when we're understanding what means by David was a man after God's own heart. He was God's servant. The word servant here means a doer, a tiller of the soil, a slave and a bondsman. You know, when it talks about David being a servant... It means that David was a bond slave. He was a bondsman of God. And the imagery is David's heart was so in tune with God that he was yielded to God's will. This was not just David saying, well, I want my kingdom to act a certain way, therefore I'm going to implement the rules and regulations of God's word because I know that will achieve something. David wanted his heart to be so in tune with God that he became God's bond slave. He yielded his heart in surrender to the will of God. He said, Lord, I want thy will to be my will. He was saying with Isaiah, here am I, Lord, use me. He wanted the Lord to take him and wanted the Lord to use him. He was yielded to God. There wasn't David a, a precious, this, this, this qualification of bond slave in David was a qualification for service. There wasn't David a precious qualification for God's service. He had a heart of a willing, surrendered servant. He served God willingly. In his heart, there was an attitude of humility which led to obedience. Samuel learned when he looked for a man to replace Saul. 
Remember when he went out to find a king to replace Saul? He went to the house of Jesse. And he met Eliab. And Samuel thought in his heart, as he looked at this man, he looked kingly. He looked like the man who should replace Saul. And he thought in his heart, this must be the man of God, the man that God has chosen to be the successor to Saul. And the Lord corrected Samuel. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, he says this, For the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. See, it didn't matter what David looked like. It didn't matter if David didn't look kingly. It didn't matter if David didn't look like he had any characteristic that would make him the king of Israel. What mattered was David's heart. You know, David had spent an awful lot of time on those hillsides around his home. And as he sat looking after his father's sheep, he'd spent an awful lot of time meditating upon his God. Just read his psalm. And he got to see the wisdom and the power and the majesty of his God as he saw the God's wonders in the heavens. As he saw God take care of the sheep as he saw God enable him to be the shepherd God wanted him to be. He learned so much as a shepherd boy. Not about caring for sheep, but about his God. And David had a heart for God. David believed that he had to serve God from his heart, not just in action. And we know some things that David did with his whole heart. In Psalm 9.1, he said, I'll praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. In Psalm 119.10, he says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. In Psalm 119.34, I will keep thy law with my whole heart. Psalm 119.58, I entreat thy favor with my whole heart. Psalm 119.69, I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. There's a whole lot more of them, but there's just a few. Of the things that David says, I'm going to do with my whole heart. I'm going to praise thee with my whole heart. I'm going to seek thee with my whole heart. I'm going to keep your precepts with my whole heart. I'm going to keep my, your commandments, your law. I'm going to do all of this with all my heart. You know, not only did everything God asked, but he did it with all his heart. Look in Psalm 24, please. Psalm 24. And verse 7. And that's not the right verse. <laughs> that was well done, wasn't it? Anyway, the point of the matter is David did everything that God asked of him and he did it with all of his heart. Part of serving God with the heart after God is recognizing our tendency to get distracted. You know, there's so many things vying for our attention today in this world. It's easy for you and I to become distracted and turn aside from a heart for God and have a heart after other things. That, we are, that our passion of our heart is not the Lord. The passion of our heart is other things. 
that we're distracted by those things, whether that be work, whether that be uh, entertainment, fun, whatever it is, that they become the central focus of all that we do. And we get distracted from the things of the Lord. But the point of the matter is, as you and I believers, we need to make sure that our focus is God. With everything that's vying for our attention, there's a need for you and I to set our affection on things above, and not on things of the earth, Colossians 3.2. Somebody said the best Christian living comes from hearts that are fixed on heaven. And to serve the Lord with all our heart, we need to realize that our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. We need to realize that our thoughts and our hearts must be connected to heaven. Clark said this, he said, Love heavenly things, study them. Let your hearts be entirely engrossed by them. Now that you are converted to God, act in reference to heavenly things as you did formerly in reference to those of the earth. Love heavenly things. Study them. Let your hearts be totally engrossed by them. We are to ensure that our hearts are focused on God's glory. We need to live with our hearts and minds fixed on heaven. We're to set our affection on things above. We're to keep our focus there and not get distracted by all the noise of the world that causes you and I to get so engrossed and so involved and so distracted by all those things. Focus on heaven and God's glory and allow that to infect our hearts so that therefore our passion is to serve the Lord. Every man and woman after God's own heart means that we will do all God asks with all our hearts, and thirdly, we'll do it from a deep passion for God. A deep passion for God. So I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, should fill all my will. The word heart here is affection, a desire for. The word after, a man after my own heart, is according to or pertaining to. David had a heart not only for the things of God, but he had a desire. He had an affection according to, pertaining to God himself. See, God, David didn't just want to do all of God's will. He didn't just want God's law and God's commandments to be the central focus of his kingdom. He didn't just want to do it from the heart that he wanted to serve God for his glory in his kingdom, but David wanted to know his God. He wanted a passion for his God. Because he knew that the closer he was to God, the more passionate he was for God, the more in love he was with his God, the more that would affect his heart, which would make his heart be in tune with God. He would become a humble servant before the Lord, which in turn would enable him to do all that God asked him to do. David knew that his focus had to be not his kingdom, not doing the will of God, not even knowing God's word and God's law and being a yielded servant. It started with knowing his God. He had a deep passion for God. 
He wanted to live for God, but he knew the only way he could do that was by knowing his God. When we grow in our love for the Lord, when you and I spend time with our God, when we spend time praying, when we spend time in the Word of God, getting to know God, rather than just reading God's Word for the sake of reading or reading it because of some pithy little uh, truth we might find, when we read God's Word looking to find the God of the Word, to know more about our God so that we might fall in love with Him over and over again and our love for Him might grow deeper and our love for Him might become more passionate so that we get to know our God personally, intimately, daily, it will affect the way that you and I live. It will affect our service for the Lord. It will have a flow-on effect as our hearts are focused on God and we're in tune with Him and we're getting to know Him and love Him. Our hearts will then become so passionate for the things of God that we will obey Him in all things. We will do His will in all things. See, when we have a heart that desires to know God, then we will have a heart that desires to do God's will. Somebody said men want God's blessings, but they don't want God. They desire God's gifts, God's comforts, God's physical healing, God's material blessing, rather than having a desire for a personal, intimate relationship with the God of eternity. That wasn't David. David desired an intimate relationship with his God. When David spent those years sitting on those hillsides outside Bethlehem looking after his father's sheep, David learnt not just about his God, but he learnt his God. He got to know his God. He fell in love with his God. You know, when Nathan came to him and told him about his sin with Bathsheba, the reason why David was so distraught, the reason why David was so shattered, the reason why David went in his room and he wouldn't eat, so much so that his officials feared that he would die, the reason why David was like that was because David's heart was shattered, for he loved his God. You see, Saul, when he, when, when he was confronted with his sin, just made excuses. Well, Samuel, you weren't here at the appointed time. You said you'd be here, so I offered up a sacrifice because the people were getting restless. Even though it was contrary to the will of God, Saul did it and then made excuses for it. When he was confronted with the fact that he kept the, hadn't killed all the Amalekites and all their flocks, etc., and kept Agag and the best of all, he made excuses why he did it. But when David was confronted with his sin, David was heartbroken. David was distraught. David was in tears because he had grieved his God. Why? Because he loved his God. That's what made the difference. That's what makes David this great king, this man after God's own heart. Yes, he sinned. Yes, he disobeyed. Yes, he was a human being like the rest of us, and he still disobeyed his God. But when he was confronted with his sin, he was heartbroken. Because David had an intimate relationship with his God and desired to maintain that. That was the key to David's obedience. You know, David's Psalms reveal his deep passion and love for God. 
Psalm 119, verse 10, he says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Psalm 119, 34, Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with all, with my whole heart. Psalm 138, verses 1 and 2. Let's go there, please. Psalm 138, verse 1 and 2. He said, I'll praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I'll worship toward the holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. I'll praise thee with my whole heart. No wonder God used David despite his sin and failure. David had a deep passion for his God. And that was reflected in the way he believed in God and the way he behaved in his kingdom, the way he acted as king. Even when he sinned, he confessed it. You know, if we don't have a real passion for God, if we have a heartfelt desire for God, then that will produce in us a desire to do the will of God. If you and I have a really deep, passionate love for our God, when you and I are confronted with our sin and disobedience, you and I will be heartbroken by that. You and I will not be able to be confronted by our sin and simply walk away from it and do nothing about it. You and I will look into the perfect law of liberty and you and I will see what kind of man or man or woman we are and you and I will deal with it there and then because we'll be brokenhearted, we'll be shattered because we've grieved our God. See, something's wrong if you and I can look into God's Word, if you and I can be confronted by our sin, if you and I can be brought to a place whereby we realize that we've done wrong, and you and I are not brokenhearted by our sins, something's wrong with our hearts. Because if we genuinely love our God, if we genuinely have a passion for God, if we genuinely know Him personally, intimately, it will hurt us when we do the wrong, when we sin, when we disobey Him. You and I will be grieved. You and I will be brokenhearted because we disobeyed our God. As believers, we need a passion for God. Look at Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Verse 1 and 2. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? This is the psalmist. He wanted to know his God. He wanted to know when he could come and appear before his God. He wanted to, his tears were running down his face night and day because he wanted to spend time with his God. He says, As the heart panteth after water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Psalms begins with a powerful image of a deer 
aching with thirst. Perhaps the thirst came from drought, or maybe it came from a heated pursuit, but whatever way the thirst came upon the deer, the deer longed for and needed water. In the same way the psalmist's soul longed for and needed his God. Spurgeon said, ease did not, did, he did not seek, honor he did not covet, but the enjoyment of communion with God was an urgent need of his soul. He viewed it not merely as, a, as the sweetest of all luxuries, but as an absolute necessity, like the water to the stag. Not merely for the temple and the ordinances, but for fellowship with God himself, none but spiritual men can sympathize with this thirst. Do we have that kind of thirst for our God? Does our heart pant after God as the deer panteth after the water brooks? Does our soul thirst for God, for the living God? Do we have a passionate desire to know him? Well, if we're going to be men and women after God's own heart, then our hearts must beat in rhythm with God's heart. And if our hearts are beating in rhythm with God's heart, then our passion, our desire will be to know him better every day. And as you and I get to know him better, as you and I get to have a heart that beats after God's own heart, as you and I are grief-stricken over our sin, and you and I desire to know his will, you and I will then desire to live for him, and you and I will fulfill all that God has for us to do because we would fear disobeying him. We wouldn't want to disappoint him. We wouldn't want to come to a place whereby God is grieved because of our sin. You and I will do all his will because we love him. Not because we have to. Not because it's demanded of us. Not because of some rules and regulations. You and I will do all of the will of God because we love him. That's what it means to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. And we can't get to the place that David was at. We can't be a man or woman after God's own heart unless you and I spend some time with our God daily, intimately, in his word, in prayer, in fellowship with him. We come and sit on the sand of his word. We study his word we might know the God of the world. We need to have a passion for God. Man or a woman after God's own heart does all God asks with everything he has because he has a deep passion for God. And if we're to be men and women after God's own heart, then we, like David, need to have a deep passion for God. So we might serve the Lord with all of our heart for his glory. Love of my challenge today to you and to me is let us seek to be men and women after God's own heart. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you today for your word. Thank you for David. This man who was a man after thine own heart. A man who fulfilled all 
of your will. Because he was a servant of yours, he was yielded to your will. But all of that was only possible because of his passion for you. He was a man after your heart. A man who loved you, desired what you desired, wanted to do what you would have him to do from the heart. Lord, help us daily to love you with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind that we might be men and women after your own heart for your glory. This we ask in Jesus' name.